If you would take your scriptures, turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1, we'll be reading verses 1 through 5. Then we'll drop down to verse 27 and read through chapter 2, verse 3. Genesis 1. Would you give ear to the reading of God's word? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and morning were the first day. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image, In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And all the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let us pray. Father, we come before your word this morning because we want to learn about you. And to grow in our understanding of this glorious gospel you have given us through your Son. We take your word and we hide it in our hearts that we might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach us your decrees. And we will recount with our lips all your ways and lift our voices in rejoicing at your great riches. Help us this day to open our hearts and meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. We delight in your commands, and we will not neglect your word. Help us, Father, for we can't do that all ourselves. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. We are told in Proverbs 9.10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Based on this principle, we will look at what it means to have an almighty God. Now, to know this better, we must look at his power and sovereignty. It's my hope as we study this that you will grow in your understanding of this great God we serve. The more you know about your God, the more you will comprehend his wonderful plan of redemption. This morning, we're looking at God's power and sovereignty. There is no passage that shows this better and shows the power and sovereignty better than than what we read from Genesis. In this beginning passage, 
we see God create all things by the power of his word. He simply spoke it all into existence. Can his power and sovereignty be expressed any better? We serve a great God. He has wonderful, wonderfully provided for all mankind's needs. All he needs to survive is given to us by God. He has given us an assortment of wonderful things to feast on. All the material needed for shelter and clothing. He even provided a day of rest for us. You can't, how can you ever thank him enough? Well, I want you to know you can't. But you can thank him. You can thank him by studying his word and being obedient to his commands. He has revealed himself. He has made it very clear. He desires to have fellowship with an obedient people. This morning, we'll learn of him as the great creator of all things. We shall see his purpose for all things and his control of all things. We lay this out using the book of Proverbs as it paints for us a very clear picture of our God as the Almighty One. In Genesis chapters 1 and 2, we see that God took nothing and out of it made all things. The term is ex nihilo. We see this in three areas, the material world, mankind, and the creatures of the world. Let's look first at the universe and nature. Turn with me, if you will, to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 19 through 20. Proverbs 3, 19 through 20. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the deeps were divided and the clouds let drop the dew. We have all observed wisdom as it is in man with all of its great promises. Here, in this passage, we see wisdom as it is in God being gloriously displayed in his works. You can see his wisdom shown as everlasting. Because it was before all creatures and all things. Yes, even the entire world was made by it. He tells you God's wisdom built the earth ex nihilo, out of nothing. God made the world out of nothing, and yet it's impossible for anyone to move it. You see in this great architect, God, establishing the heavens, setting all the great lights in their respective courses. All of these things declare his wisdom. You see it in the earth by his dividing the depths, gathering them up, and establishing the rivers and streams so that man might be refreshed by them. In the heavens as he collects the moisture for the dew, then letting it rain down its life-giving blessing upon man. So does not every aspect of the universe glitter in the infinite skill and wisdom of God? The earth is the pavement and the heavens the ceiling of God's handiwork. Both of these miracles of God's wisdom declares the glory of this great and marvelous God who has created everything, including you. As you look into the heavens, as you examine the earth and its bounty, you can see the two great systems, heaven and earth, God has established. As you observe the uniformity of them, you begin to ever so faintly understand the wisdom of God. The universe is like a great mirror. 
in which the gospel of Jesus Christ is, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, dimly reflected. It is through these wonderful miracles of creation, along with the marvelous provisions of the plan of redemption, that must fill your heart with a glorious song of praise. This should cause you to lift your voice with the Apostle Paul in Romans 11:33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Does this not lead us to the recognition of God's wisdom and make us search Scripture for how this works? Turn over to Proverbs chapter 30, verse 4. Proverbs 30, verse 4. Proverbs 34. Who has gone up to heaven and come down? Who has gathered up the wind in the hollow of his hands? Who has wrapped up the water in his cloak? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name in the name of his son? Tell me if you know. Could this all have been done by just an ordinary man? Could all this have been done with the mere wisdom of a human being? No. No, it could not. God has established the foundations of this world, creating, as Genesis shows, all that is in them. He came down to lay the first stones, and he stayed until it was finished. He also came down in the form of his son. He came to lay another very, very important underpinning. He came to lay the base of his eternal kingdom. Jesus Christ was his name. And the only way you can truly know his name is to know that God is the creator. And here's the kicker. And that you, a traitor to his cause. Once you see that, once you understand God created it and I couldn't do anything to earn my place in it. You can also see your need of a savior and your need to receive that savior as your Lord. You must call on his name with a broken and contrite heart, and he will hear and he will save. But my friends, you cannot put this off. You have only today. There's no promise of another day. Today is it. You have only today, and the call is before you right now. Will you believe in Jesus Christ? Will you place your hope, your trust in him and in him alone? Do it now. Do it today. God and Jesus Christ came down to provide for his people salvation. Salvation from a life of sin and death. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul teaches, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. God the Son created a new heart in you. So you can humbly and sincerely call on him. If you've not called, then we have just said today is the acceptable day of salvation. So right now, open your heart and humble yourself. Call out to him. You can do it right where you're sitting. You don't need to walk an aisle. You don't need to raise your hand. You need to talk to God. Do not be deceived into thinking there are many ways to God. Jesus Christ alone came into this world from God. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He declares that there is no other way to come to God the Father 
than through Jesus Christ. Psalm 14 tells us that the fool does not believe in God. Proverbs 26.10 says, The great God who formed everything gives the fool his hire and the transgressor his wages. This is some very difficult Hebrew. Even the ancient translations don't agree. After study, I came to the conclusion that New King James has possibly the best rending of this verse. You also clearly are clearly told God formed all things. He not only created the universe and nature, but all the aspects of the nature of all things. We laid out the path of righteousness before the foundations of the earth were laid and he prepared the reward of the fool and administered that reward. Your God has created the universe and everything in it. He has established his course from start to finish and laid out the final reward for everything created. God not only made all things, but set all courses of history. He also created the very characteristic in each person that makes them unique. He gave you the gifts you have that allow you to earn a living. He gave you everything you have. Look at Proverbs 22, 2. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 2. This is a powerful verse. Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. It doesn't matter how rich you are, how poor you are. God made each one of us. The color of your skin or eyes, the size of your nose or ears, how tall or how short you are doesn't matter. Where you were born, where you will die does not matter. All men, all men hold this one thing in common. God made them all. Proverbs 29, 13 says, The poor man and the oppressor have this in common. The Lord gives sight to the eyes of both. The man who is poor, whether in money, health, or philosophy, the man who is rich and powerful in whatever way his riches or power comes from, doesn't matter. God has given to them both understanding. He has placed in all men the knowledge that there is a creator. Some men, choosing to ignore that light, have fallen to the most grievous of sins. There's not one single man that is alive today or has ever lived or ever will live that will be able to stand before God and say, I didn't know. They were all created with the knowledge of God in their hearts. It is the sin of self-importance that causes them to hide the knowledge of God. Proverbs 20, verse 12. Ears that hear and eyes that see, the Lord has made them both. God made the ear to hear and the eye to see. The call of the gospel of Jesus Christ is a universal call. It is to be made to each and every man. In the Garden of Eden, man was on probation. In other words, if he had successfully completed the test, he would have been confirmed in perfect righteousness, knowledge, and holiness. But as we know, man failed. He was lost in spiritual death. 
Man made his choice, and what a terrible choice it was. Just because man made the bad choice doesn't mean God let him out of the responsibilities he was given. No, he still was required to serve and worship God. The problem is, no man now wants to fulfill those duties. They want instead to do their own thing and forget God. So God sent his only son to pay the price man could not pay. Through the price Jesus paid, the invitation has gone out to all men. All who have an ear to hear and a heart to believe can come and find forgiveness and reconciliation. It is God and God alone that creates that heart to believe and gives the ear with which to hear. God recreates his people out of the mass of sinful humanity. He does that by giving them eyes to see and ears to hear this wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ. I ask you, have you heard this good news? That your sins can be forgiven in Jesus Christ? If you haven't, then I call you to listen. To listen very closely right now. For Jesus is calling to all men to hear and believe. Open your ears and listen. Open your heart and believe for Jesus Christ has no desire for the death of anyone. But know this. They will die if they do not believe. In Genesis, we know God created all creatures. We look at creatures and their characteristics. Turn with me, if you will, to Proverbs 30, verses 18 and 19. Proverbs 30, 18 and 19. Proverbs 30, 18 and 19. There are three things that are too amazing for me, four that I do not understand, the way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a snake on a rock, the way of a ship on the high seas, the way of a man with a maiden. Now, because of science, we understand some of these things perhaps better than the writer of Proverbs. However, who of us could ever have made an eagle fly or a snake climb? Who among us could have filled the earth with navigational aids, the stars in the sky, or the magnetic fields? What man is courageous enough to say he knows the mind of a woman when it comes to love? God has created all things, and each is wonderfully and fearfully made. He has made a lot of different animals. Look at the the many different ways in which animals move around. Some have legs, two legs, some others four, some have wings. Still others have legless feet and some feetless legs, and others fins, and some don't have any feet at all or legs either. Who but God could have made so many different ways of locomotion, yet all equally effective? Turn over to Proverbs 30, verses 24 and 28. Same chapter, verses 24 and 28. Proverbs 30, 24 and 28. Four things on earth are small, yet they are extremely wise. Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. Conies are creatures of little power, yet they make their homes in the crags. Locusts have no king, yet they advance together in ranks. A lizard can be caught with a hand, yet it is found in king's palaces. 
Here we see four different creatures and each unique in their own way. The ants work as a group to prepare for the coming winter. The rock badgers who are small, yet they are able to build their home in the hardest of places in the cliffs. The locusts have no leader, but they swarm over the whole land in great hordes. The next one is either a lizard or a spider, depending on which translation you use. They can both be found in places where other creatures could not survive because of man. God has made each creature and has set each one's characteristics. Look at the animals around you and marvel at the great creator God. You know that everyone who sets out to do work has a goal he desires to accomplish in that work. God is no different. He set out on his work of creation with a goal. What was his goal? Because there can be no higher goal than to give glory to himself, God set his goal that creation and everything in it would glorify him. The Lord has created all things, all the works of creation, all the events of the nations, all the dispensations of providence for himself. He didn't do this because there was something missing in him. No, he is totally self-sufficient. He needs nothing. He did it so that his intelligent creatures might glory in his wisdom and love. We are told that the Lord rejoices in his works with an inexpressible delight and satisfaction. Even the wicked, who seem ill-fitted in this divine plan, are included in his grand purpose. Think about it. Think about it. Our God, our God who created all things, including the wicked, can take anything they do and he can make it bring glory to his holy name. He made even the wicked for the day of evil. In the end, all men will glorify God, whether in this lifetime or not. The scripture clearly declares in Psalm 145.10, All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord. Even the punishment of those in hell. Revelation 14.11 tells you that the smoke from hell rises before God and will bring glory to him for his judgments are righteous. Everything that God has created will in the end bring glory to the creator. All things bring glory to God and we know that it will do that because God is the sovereign Lord Almighty. He created all things and thus sustains and directs all things. Was this not Genesis' message? Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God cannot be called sovereign unless he is totally in charge of all things. If there's one thing outside of the control of God, then he is not the sovereign Lord Almighty. That means that everything that happens is under God's control. The bad things that occur are controlled by God as well as the good things. Understand, the bad things that happened are part of God's plan, but occur because of the sinfulness of man. Adam had it perfect. Boy, did he ever have a good thing. If he had not sinned, nothing bad would ever have happened in this world. But because of his sin, the wrath of God was unleashed on this world. It's here for a purpose. 
it shows that sin exacts a terrible price. But God is also a God of love and mercy. So he sent his only begotten son to die and pay the terrible price on behalf of his people. Let's look at the control God exercises over nations and rulers. Look at Proverbs 21.1. Proverbs 21, 1. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He directs it like a watercourse wherever he pleases. This says there is not a leader in this world who is not controlled by God. It doesn't matter that the man may be an unbeliever. God can turn his heart to whatever issue and to whatever conclusion he wants. All you need to do is look back through history and you can see how God used leaders to change the course of history. Some making decisions quite contrary to their normal nature. Many a battle was lost because a general that was ordinarily very aggressive all of a sudden became very overly cautious. God's hand is evident in the history of this world. Proverbs 21.31 The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory rests with the Lord. What this tells you is that you may prepare the horse with all of its armor. You may load it down with all of your weapons, but it is not all this preparation that will give you victory. No, the victory is in the Lord. God has determined the course of the nations. The Lord has decided the battle's outcome. He places in the seat of power who he wants there, an evil man or a good man. It all fits into his plan, not the plans of men. Look at the individual, the very words and deeds that come from him. How much of your life is guided by your own hand? Turn over to Proverbs 20, 24. Proverbs 20, 24. A man's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand his own way? Here's the debate. The debate between God's power and sovereignty against man's independence and free will. The scripture shows mankind as dependent and helpless. I don't find in scripture that God ever gives to man perfect liberty, nor that man is so restricted as to be free of all responsibility. Sinful men try to live as though they are their own masters. The Christian should live as one who is under a loving and divine authority and should always seek direction from God who is that authority. The promise of the scripture is that God is in control and is always present to guide his children through difficult situations. The humanistic idea is that you control your own life and when bad things happen, it's someone else's fault. Proverbs 16.1 The man belongs, to man belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. You may determine the answer in your heart, but it is God that controls what is actually said. Proverbs 16, 9, in his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord directs his steps. 
You set the course of your life in your heart. But it is God that leads you to the final destination of his choice. You must never forget, as Genesis says, God created all things. The God you serve is a sovereign God, working out each and every event in your life to bring glory and honor to his name and good to all who love him. You cannot go wrong if God is in charge. But if your life is left to your own guidance, then my friend, you're in real trouble. Trust in God. Trust in God and in him alone, for he is the only secure thing in this world. Consider the outcome of every matter. Genesis 1.31. Then God saw everything he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. All God made was good, and he controls it all. Turn over to Proverbs 16.33. Proverbs 16.33. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. This would be the same thing as rolling dice. Your hand rolls them, but it's God who decides how they will land. The outcome of every matter is in God's hands. From the greatest event in your life to the most terrible disaster, God is in control. That can be very hard to understand. How can a good God allow bad things to happen? My friends, understand God desires nothing but the best for his children. What you have to look for is what is the best thing you could ever have. Eternal life with him. Think of his pouring out his wrath upon Jesus on Calvary's cross. Ask yourself, can you think of a more unjust act? Christ did absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing to deserve any punishment, much less one so harsh. Yet God decreed that it should happen. He did it first to bring glory and honor to his name. Secondly, he did it that all who loved him might receive good. That good was eternal life. Please remember, when you see disasters that take place and take many lives, they seem to bring no good at all. The people that died were not innocent people in God's eyes, for all men have sinned and fallen short of his glory. Adam and Eve had it perfect in the garden. There was no great disasters. They could have lived forever in fellowship with God. Yet, through their sin... It is easily seen that they did not appreciate what they had. Because they could not appreciate it, what happened? They lost it. You and I can see the horror of sin every day. Just look around yourself. You don't have to look far. We can hear the promises of God. Just open the word. Don't you think that most who see their sin and God's great holiness would come to appreciate the offer of eternal life in heaven without sin? I know I do. And because of the horrors caused by sin here in my own life, the lives of those I love, I will eagerly, eagerly await that day of restoration. 
I look forward, forward to a peace that is only possible without sin. So you should be able to clearly see that by sin, God prepares you for a new life with him. The Apostle Paul declares in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. How is that possible? It happens only because God is a sovereign and an all-powerful creator. God has promised to save a people to himself out of the mass of sinful humanity. Genesis 3.15, And I will put enmity between you, Satan, and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, Christ. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. God sent Jesus Christ into this world to do for his people what they could never do for themselves. He lived the perfect life. He died the atoning death. He won the resurrection victory. He sits in heaven now, interceding for you, even as we sit here. My friends, open your ears and hear this glorious offer of hope. Show yourself to be his by living this new life in witnessing of all he has done in your heart. Remember this, Genesis 1.31. Then God saw everything he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening, the morning, were the sixth day. God made everything. He made everything in this world. And here you have his divine testimony that it was all very good. By showing yourself as his witness in this world, you show yourself to believe that your God is sovereign, all-powerful, that he is the creator who sent his only begotten son to save his people. So open your heart. Open your heart to hope and trust in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. Let's pray. Gracious and merciful God, you who have created the heavens and the earth and everything in them, we come thanking you for the salvation you have given. What a comfort to us that Christ has done everything required to get us a place in heaven with you. We know how sinful we are and how impossible it would be for us to accomplish any of these requirements. We know you alone are our God, the Lord Almighty. Everything came from you and in you we live. There is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things come and through whom our lives stand. How blessed we are to know these things, for not everyone does. Thank you for your word. In Christ's name, amen.